When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. True Hauntings is a frightfully good production. Kabor Kasim Graveyard dates back to the early 19th century and has served as a burial ground for generations of Muslims in Singapore. This cemetery has witnessed the interment of people from various backgrounds, including early settlers, pioneers and notable figures from the Muslim community. Yet it has a history of some of the most terrifying hauntings in the country. Why is this place a portal for restless spirits? And why do some of the country's supernatural creatures make this their gathering spot? Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this week's episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we head back to Singapore. Have we been there before, Renata? I think we have. Then we go head to head with the myths and legends of Kabul Kasim. Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Bob and his friends were avid thrill seekers, especially in exploring the supernatural. They even went all the way to form a paranormal group. They went to familiar haunts like Old Changi Hospital, Pasiris Park Suicide Tower, Sembawang Park, and even cemeteries. Of all the cemeteries that they've been to, only one cemetery had affected them to the point that they called it quits and disbanded their group. This incident happened in June 2005. They started the night by meeting up at their favourite hangout at the Gelang Sarai for dinner and to plan their adventure for the night. One of them suggested a visit to the Muslim cemetery at Siglap Close. The cemetery has its fair share of ghost stories and the group agreed. Bob was having second thoughts that night which he could not explain. Let's just call it a, a gut feeling. 
he had no choice but to go along with the rest since he was their official driver. When they reached the cemetery, Bob was already having goosebumps and he felt uneasy. The cemetery was surrounded by tall trees and the main gate was ajar. You guys go ahead. I'll wait in the van. I I don't feel so good, he said. The rest made their way into the cemetery to explore. Fifteen minutes passed and Bob couldn't shake off the feeling that he was having. He was about to light his cigarette when he heard a female voice calling his name. He looked at one of the trees and to his shock, he saw a female figure with extraordinarily long hands and nails. Her face was bloodied. There were no eyes and she had a sinister grin. Bob frantically pressed the horn on his van and at that moment he doesn't give a damn if it's going to wake up the neighbours living in the, the neighbourhood. He rushed out to his friends in the cemetery and they ran back to him. Let's get the fuck out of here and now and don't even ask any questions, he said. His friends boarded the van and Bob wasted no time. They stopped at a nearby 24-hour coffee shop. It was then that Bob told them what he had seen and what had freaked him out. The strange thing about this was that he was not the only one who had an encounter. One of his friends was scratched by some unseen force. The scratch marks looked like it was made by something with sharp nails. That was the final straw for them. Hi, Anne, and welcome to 2024. Can you believe it? It doesn't feel like 2024, does it? No, it doesn't, because it's not what we're recording. (laughs) 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 But we know that you guys will be listening to this um, in the first week of 2024, so we wish you the best. Best year ever. Happy New Year, guys. May this one be an outstandingly fantastic one. Superlative. Yeah. And Fabulous. Look, we're, we've, we're at the stage where everyone's getting their reports of their, their top things they've been listening to on Spotify. And oh, you've brought us so much joy sending yes. us the screenshots that yeah. are saying we're your number one podcast. And there was even someone who was in the top... 0.05% of our fans are listening to the podcast. Yeah. Wow. You must be going through it the second time. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Keep doing that, guys. Yes. That really helps us out. <laughs> and, of course, this year marks the fact that um, in just two months' time, we're going to be in Ireland. Yes. Or and we'll be in England, I think, at that stage, and then we'll be in Ireland a week yes, later. Yeah, so we're going to visit Glastonbury first, and then we're going to Ireland to uh, host our Irish tour, yeah. our Irish paranormal spooky adventure. Yeah, St. Uh, Paddy's Day in Ireland, here we come. So if you haven't bought your tickets yet, now is doing? the time. If you've got money for Christmas yes, uh, and you want to spend it on something that's going to... That's if it's not sold out already, yeah. so yeah. Remain a, a memory for a lifetime, book your tickets. Yeah, to, Mysterious Adventures, yeah. uh, Frightfully Good, Anne and Renata in Ireland. You'll yeah. find it. Just put yep. that in the search bar. Yeah. All right. Let's, and we'll put the link down in the below anyway. Yes. Mm. 
Um, and thank you to all those people who have shouted us a cup of coffee, who have become our grand poo bars. We've had lots of new people that have joined us. We really appreciate the support of the work that we do. This is now our full-time work. Um, everything we do is to do with ghost hunting. So we're running tours. We're doing um, podcasts and and everything we possibly can. So thank you for supporting the work that we do. Let's get on with it. Thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you very much. But we're going to the creepy... Creepy, creepy, Kubur Kasim in Singapore. And you uh, say it better than me. I, I was trying to practice it and I couldn't do it. I kept going American, Kubur. <laughs> uh, and the thing about this particular one uh, that really interested me was the fact that it houses some interesting grave sites. It does. Yes. I'm going to leave that. Well, you. don't leave it all to me because I I got waylaid. I got sidetracked and went off on a tangent. So, oh. <laughs> as I do, it doesn't surprise me. So, I'm going to tell you some stuff about Kubur Kasim and the history of the area around it. So, it's uh, actually one of the oldest burial grounds in Singapore, and it dates all the way back to the 1920s when it was set up on a piece of land in Siglap, Kubur Kasim Cemetery was established in around the 1920s, so very early, uh, and um, it was endowed by Anna. Well? Anna. Was it, it well endowed? No, just endowed. Oh, okay. Uh, by Anna, A-H-N-A, Mohammed Kasim bin Ali Mohammed. We are going to apologise now for butchering the names. We, we are not very good at our pronunciation, so please just bear with us. And he was a cargo boat and steam launch owner. So the cemetery can't be missed because it does. It has this striking yellow and green front gate, um, which was very popular in Malaya during that era um, when it was built. And the cemetery also houses a prayer house which was used to serve as the final resting place for the Muslims living in Siglap. So also buried at the cemetery were some of the well-known community leaders. And I am going to just jump over some of these names. Oh, no, I want to hear every <laughs> single one of them, please. Uh, and they included Singapore Municipal Commissioner Dr Moon Shi. And he became the first in Singapore to actually open a Muslim clinic in 1916. And another was Chay Lembek Binta Abdin. And he was uh, she was the former headmistress of Kampong Glam Girls School during oh. the Second World War. Glam Girls? Yeah. That sounds like the name of a good podcast. Uh, Somebody <laughs> grab that and run with it. Glam Girls. I... You got talking to the microphone, yeah. Renata. <laughs> I, 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 yeah, I'm sure it meant something different back in the uh, early 1900s, but it's just such a crazy, fantastic name, isn't oh, it? It is. Kampong Glam Girls School. Yeah. All right. What would you talk about in the Glam Girls School? Oh, Don't ask us to how to put makeup on because I tell you that's a shock. <laughs> <laughs> so back in the day, I'm going to talk about Siglap. Uh, that was known as just a fishing village uh, with coconut plantations. That was it. And things changed and it became the suburban, uh, it, the residential suburban area that it is today. So it kind of, when you look at old black and white photos, you, there's just these empty fields. Um, 
except for coconut plantations. And now it's this sprawling residential area and uh, you'll find a mix of all different homes there with terraces, semi-detached buildings, um, houses, bungalows uh, and some parts near Siglap Centre have been turned into service departments and condominiums. Oh, so guess what I just found? It's a little bit upmarket. Glam Girls actually stars... Anne Hathaway and Rebel Wilson. It's a movie or a TV series or something. How's that? <laughs> Go Rebel! So this is when the history gets pretty interesting at, uh, for Siglap. Uh, it was founded by this guy uh, whose name was Tokla Sam, and he was a chieftain of Siglap. And legend has it that he sailed to Singapore to escape a Dutch attack of his sultanate in Goa, in the 1660s and the name Sea Galap came about because apparently when he first landed there were dark thunderclouds appearing and Galap means darkness that conceals in Malay. But doesn't it also sound, Galap sounds like the clap of thunder or something? Clap! Yes. No, okay. Yes. Thanks yes. for, yeah. Yeah. Helping me there feel yeah, good about absolutely. what I'm saying. So I'm going to jump a bit ahead into the 19, into 1912, and then we have uh, people coming into the area uh, and setting up businesses because obviously it's dirt cheap to go in there and um, to start your business. So we have the Frankels that come. They were a wealthy Jewish business. I was going to say, that doesn't sound very uh, Malay or Indonesian or Singaporean. No, they were from (laughs) Lithuania. Oh. How bizarre. They're from Lithuania and they bought a bunch of coconut and nutmeg plantations in the area. I've got a bunch of coconuts. Mm. And they made their money from rubber. Jeez, you're full of fun tonight, aren't you? Bread and even furniture sales in Singapore and beyond. I'm trying to get through this so that my tongue doesn't... You're not allowed to have naps in the afternoon Mm. anymore. (laughs) So they ended up developing the area. They named roads after famous operas like Carmen and Aida. And that's why... uh, it's called the Opera Estate, oh, which is go. the area they're talking about. The Franklins were influential people. They even had Albert Einstein visit the area. Oh, wow. And there is a photo. He had a coconut drop on his head, didn't he? That's where he got the, the theory for relativity and all that stuff, A equals MC squared. Oh, maybe. 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 Oh, wow. Yeah. So... Fancy that. That's a lovely little bit of general knowledge there. Hmm. Now, when World War II started, uh, the Frankels um, left for the United States and during the war, the British installed machine gun pillow boxes along the coast. So fearing a Japanese sea-bound attack that never happened. Um, Can I just read that again? Of course, (laughs) go for it. You can read it as many times as you like, Renata. No, no, we're not pressing pause. Keep yes, going. No, no, no. no, no. Press Keep going. pause. Oh, you're a bitch. No, Press a bitch. pause. I, no, you've been boring tonight, so that's it. You can just pick that up. Keep going. We're going to let the people hear just how delightful our Renata is. This is my revenge. Go on. Oh. They haven't heard that whoop in ages. Where's your joy spot gone? Because no, I'm not digging there. around trying to find your joy spot. It will not be good. Go on. Keep going. During the war, the British installed machine gun pillowcases along the coast. Oh, those pillowcases are so soft. <laughs> For pillowcases. <laughs> <laughs> pillowcases. It's pillow pill boxes. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> 
Yay, we got her, everyone. Oh, Finally. Damn. About time we oh. had one of those. Oh, okay. You're doing a marvellous job. So, during the war... Yeah, the Brit- third time, lucky. The British installed machine gun pillow... B- oh, pillow... <laughs> Pause so you oh, can collect your no, tongue. No, oh, keep going. Oh, keep going. Fourth time, lucky. Let's go. In uh, the war. During the war, yep. the British installed machine gun pillboxes. Oh, pillboxes. Along the coast, fearing a Japanese seabound attack that never happened. Well done, Renato. Oh, Lord. Now, sadly, <laughs> help you. during the Japanese occupation, Siglap's coasts and hills were used for executions in the Sukqing operation, which targeted the Chinese population. And this was really, really awful. Yep. So after the war, uh, they actually found mass graves in the area, uh, one near the junction of Bedok South Avenue 1 and Upper East Coast Road. In the 50s, Cathay Keras Studio, a big film company, also set up shop along Jalan Keras and they used the area for shooting scenes in their films. Now, one of the reasons they believe that this cemetery that we're talking about is so haunted, it's because of these mass, mass graves and yeah. the executions that took place very, very close to the area. So in 1962, there was a huge fire that broke out in Kampong Siglap uh, and firecrackers went off out of control and set the village on fire. Oh, God. Oh, ooh, ah. Oh, um, what? Ooh, ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. No, that's Just, horrible, Renata. I know, I know. Ooh, ah. Ooh, ah. <laughs> oh. Those poor people, their houses burned down. Ooh, ah. <laughs> All right, keep going. I told you, don't have naps in the afternoon. It's not good. <laughs> and there were also flats that were built in the area uh, that were used to uh, house the homeless victims from that particular fire. Uh, then starting in the mid-1960s, the government did this massive reclamation project and they actually shifted the coastline outwards and they changed the landscape of the whole East Coast region. And this is fascinating because you can actually see pictures of the before and after. And so you've got the before with the coastline mm-hmm. and then the after with this huge stretch of land going out into the ocean Wow! where they reclaimed it so that they could actually um, build more. Yeah, give people more uh, area. Yeah. Um, for they ran out of land, so you just make some more. Yeah, the... they've done that here in Newcastle as well, around the the wetlands and the swamp areas mm. and things around Stockton. Mm. Yeah, and of course, the thing about that is that this whole area relied a lot on fishing, and guess what happened? They fished it out. They well, well, well they took up the water where that, the fish lived. That's right. They couldn't breed there anymore. Yeah, and um, that kind of went belly up, unfortunately. So in giving people housing for the homeless, they actually created more homeless because those people may have, you know, um, needed fishing as something that they survived on. Now, for years, Kabul Kasim Cemetery has been a source of haunted tales. uh, And this may be due to the fact that some of its tombs are weirdly dedicated to a uh, creature. Mm. known as the Orang Bunyan, which is kind of a supernatural human-like being often portrayed in Malay folklore. And that's where I went down the rabbit hole because Mm. I started trying to research exactly what they were. Yeah, go on, kick on. So the 90-year-old cemetery um, also may be facing the likelihood of exhumation 
or, ex- or excommunication or, or exhumation or exhumation exhumation ex the humans up uh, because once again they need space for residential development oh that's not going to go down well with the uh, supernatural beings that no, reside there no so this is going to be interesting uh, i haven't read up on whether they have done anything i know that there is a kind of a save uh, Kabur Kasim uh, protest group mm-hmm. that sort of goes in and you know, tries to save the place, but I'm not actually sure whether they have proceeded with any of that. Mm-hmm. I know the space isn't huge. It's not huge, but it's smack dab in the middle of everything. It used to probably not be. Yeah, it probably but, was worthless land originally, but yeah. now because of its location, it's mm-hmm. worth something. So, of course, now people want it. Yes, and they're ready to... Like the, the suburb I live in here, um, it used to be called Crooks Hill mm-hmm. um, because it was very low income. Nobody really wanted to live here. And um, we have like the housing commission not too far from here. So people would look down their nose on it and they would go and stay in Meriwether Heights. But now... Cooks Hill is the place to come because mm-hmm. we've got the park and people bring their dogs and uh, we've got nice little boutique shops and a restaurant street. Restaurant street. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, now everybody wants in here, don't they? They do. And I've got two houses here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and they're willing to pay for it. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of me. I keep saying I'm the poorest rich person out there. I've got yeah. no money in my account but two houses. Yeah. Thanks to my dad. All right. Um, <clears throat> you're done? I'm done. I'd really go on off left, right and centre here, aren't I? Mm. All right. Uh, now, I wanted to give a shout out to, is it Maron? M-A-R-O-N-E with a hoo on the end of it, who was our 0.05 top listener. Oh, thank percentage you. Percentage of people that listen to us. So, giving you a shout out, beautiful. Thank you. Now, this is a really interesting cultural sort of haunting, I believe. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the uh, reported phenomena is actually based around uh, the mosque that is there. Mm -hmm. So there is a mosque built into the place. And people report hearing knockings. Um, They they believe that there are supernatural beings that live there. Uh, As you said, the Orang Bunyan, I'm not sure if that's how you say it, is one of the ones that's well known for being there. Uh, They also mention... uh, Pont Pontianak Pontianak mm-hmm. and there was another one as well which I now of course I've got my notes in front of me I can't even see it but we were speaking to someone who came onto our live um, just two nights ago who yes. said that he had seen one of those with his own eyes and we we asked him to describe what he had seen and he said I can't because it was so terrifying. Yeah. And this is the interesting thing about the culture and the beliefs of the people of the area. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, Mm -hmm. but uh, so they've they've seen in in this cemetery uh, ghostly figures, unexplained noises, feeling like they're being watched. Uh, But that's pretty common Mm -hmm. in cemeteries all around the world. You, You see the shadow figures and... And sounds, but it seems to be this place of worship that seems to be the focus of it all. And I wonder how, in that culture, and going to a place like that, how um, paranormal investigators going out there, how that affects people. I did see um, the 
paranormal investigators, some of them had uh, uh, put their information up on Facebook as uh, a photo of yeah. a supernatural being. Mm-hmm. And I, w- I have to say I was disappointed. Uh, have you seen the photo, Renata? No. I will try to remember to pop it up onto the True Hauntings podcast. If I don't, when this episode comes out, please someone remind me to put the photo up because uh, um, I have a brain like a sieve and we don't have an assistant anymore to remind us to do it. So um, someone on the Facebook land, get on there and remind me. Um, it was a photo of the uh, investigator. And they've taken the photo very, very close to their face with a flash. The flash has gone off and completely whited out their face. So it's it's almost like their head is glowing. It's so white. And what's happened is we've ended up with um, an artifact over the right-hand shoulder that looks like a glowing mist. Uh, and this is what they are calling is the paranormal phenomena. So you can see that, Renata? Yeah, okay. So okay. It's, there's a tree behind him. There's some plants and with leaves and things. And now you're a photographer. What has caused that? Well, there's... Um, there's there's l- lots of things around there with yeah, shiny surfaces. And there's also, yeah, it's, it's the flash bouncing off whatever that... Uh, thing is behind him. Yeah, that looks like it's actually inside somewhere. Uh, yeah, or, or no, it's outside. The this is one of the um, little temples that are uh-huh. here, uh, and they've got a camera pointing into it, and you can actually see the white from the the video camera yeah. um, screen out the side, and yeah. he's holding something that's very bright as well, and it's it's the the artifact from the yeah, flash. Yeah, I wouldn't even. Use it's, that as any evidence. No, I, I'm sorry to these beautiful people who... But this is the culture. They are very... They're very superstitious. Very superstitious mm-hmm. and they have a strong belief in these supernatural entities. Now, most of the information is passed down by word of mouth. So the elders will tell the stories to the children. Uh, and normally these stories we have cre- uh, been created, as we've found through many of our True Hauntings podcasts, with an idea to protect protect the children from doing something they shouldn't be doing. So I think somebody used the bunyip in Australia as an example the other day. Don't go down to the water because the bunyip will get you. Yes. And that was to mm-hmm. protect the children from going near the water uh, for fear of the bunyip. There, there may not have been a bunyip, but they were fearful there might be one. And then that legend evolves and it becomes a reality. And they pass it on to their children. And it it just it's almost like a thought form eventually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to get into some of these entities that have been mentioned here. Now, one of them is the Orang Bunian, um, and they prefer to have their location uh, where they live in these um, religious areas. Uh, they, they're there is almost um, a protective sort of being. Um, let me get a little bit more information on that. Honestly, I've got so many bits of paper here. I just had to pause for a second and find it. Of course, I wouldn't have let Renata do that. I would have made her push on. And and, uh, (laughs) I've got control of the buttons. I like to press buttons. So they're a mythical being in the Malay folklore, and they're described as invisible or hidden people. They're supposed to be supernaturally powerful, and they live in a parallel world to the humans. Uh, They're considered to be nice Mm -hmm. or 
benevolent or neutral. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not like the other one we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're supposed to be beautiful, ethereal. Um, they can become visible or invisible at will uh, and are considered to be guardians of the natural world. Now, what does that sound like to you? If we thought of our Celtic and the yeah. elves, fairies. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Um, it's interesting that it's those um, spirits or those um, supernatural creatures yeah. that they have decided to honour in that gravesite. Mm. Mm. Now, these beings normally like to hang out in forests and mountains and remote areas, uh, but they're also thought to inhabit the spiritual areas. Uh Now, one of the reasons being is that these places where people are buried, they believe that it's where the veil between life and death is at its thinnest because it's where you go when you die and it's where you were able to be taken from, extracted to go to your next mm-hmm. part of your journey. So it's like a portal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And these beings live in this area because of that. Now, isn't that just an interesting way of looking at it? It is. So uh, the Kabul Kasim Cemetery has been associated with Orang Bunian uh, because they believe that it's been sighted there. People have seen it. Uh, the cemetery is old. Uh, it does have um, significant spiritual, cultural importance to the people of the country. And there are high-profile spiritual, no, um, high-profile spiritual humans Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. 
like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. That are buried there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they would be like guides or leaders and the Orang Bunian sort of guard them because they honoured them, they revered them. Mm-hmm. So it's this really deep spiritual connection. Mm-hmm. It's again um, with the people of the original inhabitants of the land, uh, because they lived and breathed by whatever mm. was created by the land, they honoured it. Yeah. Now I found this really good story. Uh, oh God! Now I've got to find that bit of paper. Now, if anyone listens to our Spooky Sundays, they know that I love a good story. Don't I, Renata? You do. And I've created some absolute doozies <sighs> over the last 12 months using um, ChatGPT. Mm. But today my story is coming from the Malaysia Newsroom. Uh, and it's an article by Susan Tam, written back in December 2011. And this is about the Orang Bunian, and they call them the neighbours of the supernatural world. Now, they did say in the other article that I was reading that they were benevolent or... Um, neutral. Mm-hmm. Now, have a listen to this. A mother-to-be was in labour. Her midwife was urging her to push hard, hoping the newborn would be delivered smoothly. But there was no baby. Only the mother's placenta appeared. No child was born. So what happened? Where did the baby go? In a case like this, the baby is most probably been taken by the Bunian community. Now, this is a Malay animism expert. His name is um, Professor Datuk Zainal Abidin Bohan. There you go. Did Have, well. Thank you. Now, they say there is no medical or scientific reason you can explain the incident, but if you believe in the supernatural world, you may find the explanation that you are looking for. The midwife attending to the delivery could have had spiritual powers and may have struck a deal with the Orang Bunian to offer the newborn in return for material gains or fulfilment of other requests. Oh no, that's awful. Yeah. So Hospital University Kabangsan Malaysia Psychiatry Department Dr. Ruzana Zamzam that's for real, said she'd encountered such a case before. Now, the patient was a 43-year-old woman, uh, which we're going to refer to as S.U., Sue, who claimed to be four months pregnant. Now, they'd undergone all the necessary uh, ultrasound scans, accessory recorded images of the female fetus in her womb. Her heavy figure made it difficult to judge how far along she was with the pregnancy, but a few days before her due date, she claimed to have experienced a spiritual event. She was visited by the lady who was preparing her delivery. Subsequently, a man told her that she had lost the baby. Sue then sought a medical checkup, and this time the ultrasound revealed a non-pregnant uterus. Hmm. Now, they explained that the Orang Bunian community lived in another dimension. Oh, hang on. No. Where's the other bit about the woman there? So it's they, they, they're saying that spiritually that the... The Bunyan must have taken that one as well. Yes, yeah. But uh, for me, I think she would have had a miscarriage earlier on and it's 
it's probably not come to term and she just thought she was pregnant still. Mm. Hard to tell. Mm. But their belief, their spiritual beliefs explain it. And this is what happens with some of these creatures, the supernatural creatures. When you're passing this down from generation to generation by word of mouth, from decades beforehand... It's like Chinese whispers. Yeah, but it's also they didn't have the science to explain what was happening mm-hmm. at the time. So they would use the stories of the creatures to explain what had happened, mm-hmm. whereas today this could be explained with science. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yes. Somehow, on some level, though, if you believe and have faith in their their you know, belief system, um, doesn't that story make sense? Where there was supposed to be a child and there wasn't one? And it's been taken. And it's been taken? Yeah. Yeah, it could, yeah. They say that there is a way to speak to these entities. You can speak nicely to them by asking them to fill, for, fulfill your que- requests. But if that doesn't work, at times you have to threaten them or make an offer or barter or come to an agreement. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm. Some equate the community to elves, why others believe they are built on a royal social structure with kings and queens and princesses. Uh, but the Orang Bunian are often used as a reason to explain cases of missing children or when people go missing in the forest. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So that that's that one. So it's interesting that they they said that it was a benevolent, but I yeah. suppose if you're requesting favors from it, they don't care either way. Yeah. If it's it's you that is doing the bad by offering the 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 child of someone else, they're going, oh, well, I'll take it if you want that. Here, I'll give you this, but you know, I'm going to be taking it whether you yeah. like it or not. Mm. Mm. That would make you fearful of all midwives, wouldn't it? It would. <laughs> it really would. Okay, now before I go on to the next creature that is supposed to live there, there was something I really wanted to mention about this place which may... Uh, lean towards why the the local people believe that, you know, there's entities there. Uh, the actual name of the uh, the place, what was it again? The um, Kabul Kasim. That's the one. Uh, and the area, which is the Sea Galap, the Malay word. It's the Malay word for the dark one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the reason why is because of um, the sky turned dark one day in 1821 and spooked many of the villagers in the area. And that inspired a Sumatran prince, Toklasam, to name it Sigalap. And there's this sort of um, taint towards it because of this dark thing that happened now this person that i got this from and this was from channelnewsasia.com they looked up to see what had happened on that day in the sky and it turned out there was a solar eclipse Mm -hmm. so here we go again where we've got the stories uh, that couldn't be explained with science at the time, or the people wouldn't have known the science. But then it's become the the dark, mm-hmm. the dark one. Hmm. Mm. 
Alright, so there is another creature that's supposed to live there. And it's I actually found two different names. I wasn't sure which one it was. But one of the ones that I've actually spoken about before is the Pontianuk. Mm-hmm. Yep. And this was the creature that the, the person that was on our live the other day mentioned that they had an encounter with. And they were rattled. Yes, they, they didn't want really to say rattled. a thing about it. They didn't because I don't know whether it was the trauma of recalling it or they were worried that it would draw it close. Mm-hmm. But, we, of course, we didn't push it because we don't want to distress anyone. But this is another type of supernatural being or ghost and this one is supposed to be the spirit of a woman who died during childbirth. So again, it goes back to I know children coming from one world and birthing into our world. And the, the creatures are living in an area in where the, they're going from one air, one world back to that the other world, yes. wherever that may be. Isn't that fascinating? Isn't that interesting? Very interesting. So this entity is not nice. It's said to prey on men and cause harm to the living. So the Pontiac is often depicted as a pale woman with long black hair dressed in white. And uh, it's that's a common thing because if you think of the ring, mm-hmm. that, that movie, yeah. that's exactly what they look yep. like. And they have really long fingernails, don't they? Yes. Yep. Now, um, I sort of tried to look into some uh, recent sightings and uh, the recent, recent sightings are saying that it's a ghostly woman, strange, eerie noises and a scent of frangipani. Mm-hmm. So I found a little bit of information on the frangipani and banyan trees um, have unique associations with cemeteries in Southeast Asia. Asia. Frangipani sweetly scented white flower have a common connection with graveyards and the flower is called Bunga Gabor, which is the graveyard flower, as it's sometimes associated with supernatural beings. For instance, a whiff of a frangipani can herald the presence of a kind of female vampire, which according to Malay folklore is the ghost of a woman who died during childbirth. Oh my gosh. Think of the 90s when everybody had frangipanis on the back of their cars. I've got a frangipani tree in the backyard. (laughs) I love my frangipani tree. Mm. Um, So they also talk about the banyan tree and how it's a strangulation death tree. Apparently it's... strangles host trees and kills them but yeah lovely uh, but I just wanted to bring up that mm. little bit about the French Japani I thought that was a little interesting side note now I've got to find the next bit so they believe that it's this creature that is uh, making the the noises around the mosque within the cemetery and that um, it says potentially amplifying the cultural weight of the beliefs of the people because mm-hmm. there's this religious place there mm-hmm. and there's this nasty creature. It's, <coughs> pardon me, it's amplifying everything that's happening. Uh, now, is it also the fact, and as you mentioned before, the people going into the, the cemetery, they're investigating the cemetery. These people are going in with the knowledge that these creatures are there. Mm-hmm. So are they themselves inducing their own fear, their own, and any noise that they're hearing, they're, they're making it into a narrative of the fact that it is, it is this creature. Um, and how many times do we go on ghost hunts and this happens? Yeah. 
you've been told what the ghosts are. You're looking for those noises or those things to confirm that you are in the presence of the Pontianac. Uh, but are you really? Mm. And uh, it's, it is a well-known site for ghost hunters. So yeah. to go there and not have an experience would make you a really bad ghost hunter yes you're a bad ghost hunter if you don't find the bad yes, ghost so anything that is there can be um you know used as evidence whatever yeah. that might be even like a photo like you showed me and what do we call yeah. this confirmation bias confirmation bias yeah do these creatures live there i don't know i've never been there i don't know what these creatures would feel like to be in their presence but i i do have a story. Did you have any other little stories to add to that? No. Um, but I've got, I've got a big one to finish on. Yeah. yeah. I kind of find it interesting that um, the ghost hunters that go, I don't know uh, the YouTube that you watched, whether they would have actually um, given a sacrifice to onto the gravestones of these creatures yeah, as a, you know, here here is this um, gift that I'm giving to you so that, you know, we may have a... Um, a conversation or an altercation here, but that we will be safe in doing so. And apparently in these cemeteries, and I think it's in this one, if you know where to look, they've actually got graves that they've dedicated to yes. these spirits. Yes. So should these people, as you say, go in there and and placate the spirits or honour the spirits? Yes. Because the, they are the guardians. Yes. And like we sometimes, if we've gone to a cemetery during the day or the night or whatever it is, we will um, uh, ask permission of the gatekeeper to mm-hmm. to enter, and that we are there to show our respect. And I usually take flowers. You do, yeah. And we go and we leave flowers, and at, we have permission to yep. be there from the local community. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah, this is an that, interesting. See, but that wouldn't that wouldn't thrill crowds watching oh, a YouTube. I know. That would not, and that's why it's not done. And that's just, it's offensive. It really is because, you know, why should everything be so horribly scary and and demonic and and horrible? Yeah. I feel like we're almost championing the cause of let's stop the bullshit. I really do. Mm. And I know there's many of us out there who are doing it. But in the meantime, our numbers suck because we're not... Yeah. Except for our True Holdings podcast. We're not, we're not scary enough. Our podcast is fabulous because you guys are just <laughs> fabulous. Um, but our YouTube, please go to our YouTube. Anna and Nata, frightfully good. Please subscribe and watch something. <laughs> our misadventures are great yeah, fun. Yeah, there's some uh, the dark side that's going up now as well. Um, so I'm going to finish up with this story that I found on Reddit. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of referring to... Um, some of the the people who have the power, uh, the possession, and the cultural beliefs and spirituality within this community, and uh-huh. I just thought it would be as an interesting story. Many years ago, my aunt got possessed by something. It prolonged for a few days and she was talking gibberish and had a deep voice, was laughing to herself and so on. With the limited knowledge my family had back then, someone suggested to go and see this bomo. And by the way, all this was happening in my house and I was the designated driver most of the time to go see the bomo, who did the exorcism, so to speak. In other words, I witnessed everything. So this bomber claimed to have gotten help from the Bunyan. Mm-hmm. 
And as someone mentioned, they are beings who adopt a very old classic Malay culture, and some have said they even dress like the traditional Malays of old. This bomber was just a plain man, very unsuspecting, but when the time came, he would start to burn some incense and did some mumbo-jumbo and suddenly slump unconscious for a few seconds and then suddenly spring back to life with a deep breath and greet everyone in the room. So at this point, it was understood that a bunyan had transferred itself into him to start the exorcism process. Fascinating. So he has... Channeled. Channeled. This bunyan changed from day to day based on availability, it seems. <laughs> this person has a sense of humour. I really like it. And one day it could be a putri who would speak like an old woman and very ladylike in the hand movements, etc. While other days a manly being called a panglima would come instead with a deep and very stern voice and demeanour. So either one will be performing the perubatan, which is the exorcism, on the art. Yes, this occurred for a few visits until my aunt was fully cured. So the bomber, or actually the bunion inside the bomber, would be communicating with this thing inside my aunt. Aunt, I keep saying aunt. <laughs> and doing stuff like pressing on her big toe while interrogating it. And while it's bothering my aunt, and my aunt would scream and stay, say stuff like it's not Muslim, it's just playing a prank, etc. Which was sometimes very scary and sometimes funny too. There was a time I had to hold one of my aunt's hands while a ritual was done to exercise the things out. Sorry, exorcise. When this thing shouted at me for holding the hand too strong, lol, don't know what that means because the reason we had to hold her down was she was kicking and screaming and she might have made a run for it to escape. So after a few visits and sessions like these, this poor person, they were the driver. Mm. I just like how they said they're the driver. My aunt was cured and the thing that possessed her really left and never came back. We went home and she stayed a few more days at my house. No possessions occurred again until one night. My aunt knocked on the door of my parents' room at about 3am and asked for my dad to come downstairs. Oh, no. <laughs> She was sleeping in the living hall throughout her stay and my dad told us later that my aunt started talking differently and told him that the bunion of the bomber informed her that in the spiritual world she was actually a long-lost princess from the bunion community of Gangangladang in Johor and that they wanted her to be part of them again and to become a bomber as well. Now, sure, not sure what my dad said, but I think it was along the lines of, hmm, okay. <laughs> Love their sense of humour. Anyway, so this Bunyan community of Ganong Ladang, my aunt said later on, and as she did go there as well in spiritual mode, uh, was an advanced city on the mountain, more advanced than our city life. It was a vibrant community of people, all dressed in traditional Malay clothing and had the same colour hue for everyone. So I think this is her vision, idea, vision yeah, of where vision it was. Of, yeah. It consisted of Bunyans who were hundreds of years old to even small children. She claimed the famous Putri Gudang Ladang was there too, but she was very old already. So eventually my aunt took up this offer to become a bomber and she had multiple sessions after that where she would be transported spiritually to go to classes and learn on the ways of being a bomber. And after a few months, she started practicing and could start helping other people as well, basically establishing her own bomber practice. 
she saw an opportunity. <laughs> they said, pause here. From my observations and looking back, there were never occasions where she used any ayah from the Quran to perform her curing sessions. It was always related to using the kemenyan, yellow cloth and ornaments. So for anyone who has studied Islamic Tawhid, I'm really sorry if I'm getting all this wrong. This is wrong and not the way of the Islamic uh, in dealing with spiritual mischief. Mm-hmm. So this is their faith and this was her faith and mm-hmm. she's now dabbling in a different culture and different belief. All right, so we're going on now. I admit though back then, myself included, it often seeked help from my aunt, example, before going for interviews. Um... Oh, gee, Mandabung, First La and whatnot, amongst other things. I'm sure. <laughs> Sorry if you're Malay and you're listening. Oh. <laughs> and I have since repented as this is not Islamic as well. And it's been more than 10 years now since I asked her to help on anything. God willing, never again. I do still visit her when I'm back. I just treat her like my aunt and nothing else. I just had to confer with Renata to see if I keep going with this story because it, it, it's quite long. But it's interesting the connection that it makes. Yes. So I'll pick it up now. We believe that the Ibli, their vow not to associate at all with humans, they know the Quran mentions that God prevents this and that humans are forbidden to obtain help from the jinn community. Mm-hmm. Now, that's their belief system about mm-hmm. the jinn. Mm-hmm. I can go on a tangent about the story of Harut and Marut, Marut, but that's a different story. So the only jinns who are communicating with humans are actually the non-Muslims, which are possibly this, the, I think that's meant to be Shaitan community. Uh, it's S-Y-A-I-T-A-N. I've ha- I have heard lectures also saying, that when a spiritual being jinn communicates or shows itself to humans, most times they have been outcast from their own communities. And what they are doing is frowned upon. So it's like a renegade which everyone else doesn't endorse. Now, this fascinates me because we think of communication with the spirit world in our work. Mm-hmm. And we seem to get so far. We'll get a really good connection. We start getting really great messages through and then it just dribbles off. Yes. And it's almost like something is stopping us getting the information. Mm-hmm. Are the ones that are trying to communicate with us the renegades? Are the are they breaking the rules by giving us information? Yeah, that could be right. Mm-hmm. All right, going on. Um, so one of the chief premise of the shaitan or the non-Muslim jinns is to sway the son of Adam from remaining to be a Muslim and to worship Allah. I'm really going off here. Okay. They will do as much as possible to achieve this. So this comes back to the bomber and the bonyan, maybe the jinn, Mm -hmm. and his ways, which goes against the basic Muslim thing, Mm -hmm. um, thus achieving the objective that they're after. They perform such rituals, making humans believe they have some kind of superpower, which indirectly makes humans negligent of the power of Allah, thus falling into the shirak, which is a major unforgivable sin in Islam, basically a big Mm no-no. Now, cross this over into our work and what we do. Mm -hmm. How many times do people go, that's not a child that you're talking to, that's a demon. So it's the belief system of the people and they're interpreting through their belief system, which then goes back to the whole Pontianac and everything else where they've got these stories, mm-hmm. which they're interpreting through their belief system yeah, and making it real because that's their belief. And it explains something that's kind of unexplainable. Mm. 
Um, so, uh, some may ask as well, why have we not heard of bunion in the US, for example? Why just here? Simple answer is, the gin are shapeshifters. They have the ability to turn into whatever they want, and oftentimes their look will be determined of what the culture and history of the location is. Mm-hmm. So, so ghosts, yeah? It, it'll become what you believe it to be. It will become what it needs to be to get what it wants. Yeah. And I reckon that's happening in these investigations that people are carrying on and being idiots. Anyway, uh, anyway, that's... Why reports of ghosts in Malaysia are always uh, local types like the Pontianak, the Pokong. Pokong was the other one that was in this place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got a whole list of words there, which I'm not going to try and repeat, <laughs> uh, which they've never heard of in the US or in Australia mm. or in the Western world uh, because the gin, gin shapeshift into something that's local. Mm-hmm. Wow. I know, is your head going round and round here? Can you see why I went down the rabbit hole? Um, so if you're a fan of TV shows like Ghost Adventures, uh, the ghosts are always more to be an American setting, like cowboys, old ladies, children, and they follow the look and culture of the location. Thus, you'll never hear of uh, a Langsure in New York, although a close re- relative maybe would be a banshee. Uh-huh. So coming back to what is the bunion, they're actually gin. I'll explain this form uh, from an... uh, Sorry, so they're explaining it from their perspective as a Muslim. Mm -hmm. In conclusion, don't be scared of these things. And this is... Wow. They actually most times are scared of us. In terms of the beings, we are a much superior being than them. And they also are afraid of humans who know what they are and where they originated from. So keeping abreast with knowledge on them will actually make them weak. Plus also bear in mind of what their main intentions are and you should be safe. Note for non-Muslims. I'm sure you may think the above is just crap and I don't blame you. There's always maybe a scientific explanation for anomalies and abnormalities, which I won't delve further into here isn't that great i love it love it so that's genius we all take our belief system and we place it on what is happening in a location and we interpret it through our knowledge Mm. and we always try to make it fit again confirmation bias confirmation bias so yeah there's that rabbit hole Mm. My head's spinning. I love it. <laughs> you like it? That yeah. really has gone very different for this episode. Yeah, and that's that's why it sort of was picked because it does delve into those myths and legends of a culture we know very little about. Mm. Uh, I hope we were respectful enough to uh, all of the um, different sort of religions that we sort yeah. of encountered. And there are um, so many different religions and belief systems all yeah. around the world. And as I said, knowledge is the important thing. Knowledge, yep. Knowledge is Keep the key. learning. Keep Look, making changes whenever you learn something. Be well, open. Let us know if you've enjoyed this episode. Do you, have you enjoyed listening to this type of cultural aspect and, and our thoughts and beliefs in this? Um, I know I've enjoyed it. But is this a true haunting, Renata? Is this place haunted? I 
Yes, strangely enough, I think it is. Yeah, I think there's guardians of the land that could be yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Um, it might not be ghosts um, or, or that sort of thing. But in, in how we think about yeah, it. I think it's more um, maybe a land spirit or what we'd call elementals mm-hmm. or something yep. uh, in a different culture that may be guardians of it. And um, hopefully they're scaring off some of the ghost hunters who might be being disrespectful there. Yeah, and hopefully they'll scare off the people that are coming in to um, take those bodies away and disturb the yeah. Yes. No more of that. Yeah. Would you go visit? Yeah, if I was in the area, I would. Yeah, me absolutely. Too. All right, well, thank you for joining us on this week's episode of True Hauntings. I hope you've enjoyed our slightly sideways adventures this week. Uh, don't forget, you can support us become, by becoming a Patreon member. The Grand Pooh Bar is the best one to be, uh, but we'll accept anything, really. Or you can buy us a cup of coffee. All the links will be down below. We appreciate those people who have bought us some coffees and things uh, because it keeps us going. We mm. need coffee, don't we? We certainly do. I think you need one right now. I do. All right. Thank you. And uh, we'll see you on the dark side. Stay spooky. Be frightfully good. And don't Don't be be a dickhead. dickhead. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube, or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.